0: We are continuing our series, Good Neighbor Project. And it was fun yesterday. We got the chance to pick up all these bags. Look at these grocery bags. Isn't that cool? Um, Yeah, we can clap for that. We got, yeah, thank you, Laura. And so we picked up right at about 100 uh, bags full of donations. And that is exciting to be able to do that for our community and get out and meet people and also um, be helping. People in need all throughout the year um, as that need arises so so that was a lot of fun Um, this coming Saturday we will also be having our next good neighbor project we are going to be doing a dollar car wash right outside the front of this building right here on Saturday starting at 10 a.m. here's how the dollar car wash works we're gonna let people in the neighborhood know dollar car wash dollar car wash dollar car wash when they arrive, we wash their car, and we give them a dollar. So it's a fun little surprise for them, and it's a fun way to meet neighbors, and everybody is invited. Kids and adults alike can come and help with that. So we, we'd love your help Saturday at 10 o'clock. Um, this one in particular is pretty uh, labor-intensive, so... Um, I, I would like to have kind of an idea of who's coming. You can check the connection card on the bulletin um, saying, I am I will be at the Good Neighbor Project. It says, I think it says, I'm interested in being a part of it. But you can mark, I'll be at the Dollar Car Wash. You can uh, also go on our Facebook page and RSVP to that event. We have it set up as an event on our Facebook page and say, I will be there to help wash cars. Um, we are short a little bit bulletins today. We ran out some of, of some of the bulletin paper. So if you don't have a bulletin, get a bulletin buddy. That's what we do. All right. Grab a bulletin buddy and hang out next to him and, uh, you know, be a good neighbor there. Bulletin buddies. That's our new thing here at the church. Where I'm going to print a lot less than we uh, we need. So, um, so today I want to talk about um, being... Good to a world that is watching. You know, I remember when I was when I was young and I was wanting to pursue ministry. And I'm not young anymore. Um, and nobody no, nobody corrects me on that anymore. Um, they used to be like, "Yes, you're so young to be a pastor." Now, now I'm like, yeah, "I'm a pastor," and people are like, "Yeah, that sounds about right." Um, used to be, people said, "No, you couldn't be. You're too young." Not anymore. Um, but uh, I remember when I was just pursuing ministry and wanting to be a pastor, I was so thankful that my father like, kind of helped me along. He was a pastor, and we, we did a number of different things. I helped out my youth group. I actually got to preach when I was about 16 in our youth Sunday. We did a little Bible study at my uh, high school, and we let— uh, some of my high school friends, we did it at our church. Lots of good things, and I had great opportunities to kind of learn and develop and grow. Well, one time my father said, you know, I want to go to this conference in Chicago. And we're, let's do it together, and let's go. And I remember where we were going is one of the biggest churches in the country. And um, uh, in Chicago, Willow Creek Community Church, and they had... I mean, it, it was a big deal. This is kind of like if you are like, you know, a Boston a baseball fan and a Boston Red Sox fan and you want to be a professional baseball player, it's kind of like going to Fenway, right? It's kind of like if you are, you know, like a, a tech nerd or something like that, going and visiting Google. It's like, it's the big deal place. And I was like, this is, this is gonna be something It's interesting and we're gonna go to Chicago and all this. So, we flew there and we went to this conference, and big conference. And they have an auditorium that seats eight thousand people. And you walk into the front entrance of the church, and it's like walking into an airport terminal. It's so big, way bigger than the school. And uh, you, you know, you walk in, and they have their whole like cafe, uh, restaurant, and all this stuff. They have gyms for like their kids. They have like. Four gyms like in a row like this huge giant gym for their kids stuff they had a second auditorium that sat 2,000 people and there were some breakout sessions in the 2,000 seat auditorium they had a whole um, auto body shop outside in the parking lot where they did work on cars and all this uh, for anybody that they did three work for car on cars all this different stuff and it was like this is the big deal. And so when you're like, you know, 17, 18, I don't remember exactly how old I was. Um, it was like, wow, this is awesome. And this is it, right? I want to be a pastor. I want to go and do stuff. And this is like the, the pinnacle. This is the thing. And I remember at that point in time in my development, probably... Um, you know, and this, this was incorrect, but probably some of their strategies and tactics and ideas and the way that they did things for me was more important. And I was soaking that in more and absorbing that more than even like, you know, knowing everything about the Bible. And that was incorrect to do. But this was like, this was it. This was the best of the best, and this is what, like, I was pursuing to do. And I wanted to do, like, cool things, and I wanted to have my own giant uh, 30,000-person church and all this stuff. And it was pretty amazing. And sometimes in our world, that's kind of how we look at things. We look at things, and we aspire for these kinds of uh, great moments. It was an interesting last couple of months, and this is uh, 20 years later. But um, to see the news stories come out, that uh, um, the pastor of that church, founding pastor of that church, has resigned. And he's resigned amidst uh, multiple allegations of sexual misconduct and harassment um, of his staff. Um, And there was about 10 different people that came out. And made accusations And I am not in any way here uh, uh, Able to make judgment on that I don't know what happened I wasn't there Um, But it looks bad Right? It looks pretty bad And what the world is doing right now In the midst of This is the the pinnacle The best of the best The biggest name in uh, the church world when something like this happens, they're like, see, we told you so. They were all fakes. They're all hypocrites. It's all a big show. And the whole world, many times, just kind of looks at that and says, we knew it. We knew what was going on there. We knew that this big show or this big production or whatever it may be was fake. And that's that. Isn't that a sad thing? And I look back even, and of course those are still valuable lessons and opportunities that I had to learn from this church. And those things were valid, and there's many thousands of lives changed, and that is a powerful thing, and that's meaningful. But it looks as though, over the course of several years, that there was people within that church that kind of turned a blind eye to some things that were going on that weren't good. That's, That's what it looks like. Again, I don't know for sure. But... We can think about this, and there's a problem with those two pictures, isn't there? And that's particularly what uh, message we're looking at today. We all understand that it is by the grace of God that we're saved. We know that. We all understand that we are sinners and our need of forgiveness. That we're faulted and flawed, and it was only by the grace of God that we're saved. We know that there is You know, redemption even when things go wrong. We know that. And that's the heart of our message. But the scripture also says that the world is watching you. Do you realize that? That the world is watching you. And in many ways, we represent God to the world. That is a terrifying thing. And you should be uh, mildly terrified by that. Because, you know, in many ways, if you are known as a follower of Christ, I bet there's somebody out there in your work, in your neighborhood, in your family that is watching your life, and they are gathering from how you act and what you do what Christianity is all about. There are people that are watching. And, and sometimes that's not fair, And it's not a 100% accurate representation, but it is true that there are people that are watching that. You know, um, there is the uh, statement that um, perception is reality. You've heard that statement before? What a stupid statement. (laughs) Perception is reality? That's the dumbest statement in the world. No, perception is not reality. If I perceive the world as flat, that doesn't mean the world is flat. Perception is not reality. That is not true. Sometimes people overblow perception. People can misperceive things, and that is not reality. I've heard plenty of gossip around the office type of things. It was totally false. Perception is not reality. However, some people's perception of Christ is based on you. Some people's perception of what Christianity is, is based on you. And what is true is that is their perception of it. That is their witness as to what Christianity is about. And that is mildly frightening. For you, it should be mildly frightening. For me, it should be extremely frightening because I stand up here as a pastor and that's my title. And i got to watch it, you know, and I'm like hanging out in my neighborhood. But the reality is that the Scripture does encourage us to be good to a world that is watching us. I think all parents kind of have a concept of this. Because we realize sometimes our mannerisms, the words that we say, the phrases that we use, you know, end up like coming out of our kid's mouth, Right? Uh, my wife just recently reminded me of like when my son was like th- two or three. And she would find him, he had like a toy phone. I think it was an old cell phone or something like that that we had, or a toy. And he would pretend like he was talking on the phone. And he would go around our house like this. And he'd go around pacing in our house, back and forth, talking on the phone. Wow, <laughs> hey, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and. And my wife would be like, you see what he's doing? That's you. (laughs) That's you. That's you. When you're on the phone, you're up and you're pacing and you're talking and you're getting work done and you're doing something like of importance. And he's just mimicking you. That's how you talk on the phone, according to my son Titus, because he saw me do it. That's a little terrifying, isn't it? And the reality is the world is watching the world is watching. Uh, our kids are listening and picking up to the tone of our voice. They're picking up on our attitudes. They're picking up on our mood. They're picking up, are we joyful people? And if we can see in our kids we, a lack of joy, a lack of enthusiasm, a lack of uh, an abundant life, as the scripture says, we need to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, are we conveying this to our kids? But likewise, beyond that, we are witness to the ends of the earth. When Jesus left this earth, he said, Go and be a witness to what you've seen. Go and be a witness to what you've seen. You saw that I walked on earth, taught you these things. Teach other people what I taught you. You saw that I rose from the dead. Go and be a witness. And based on that witness, Christianity has spread all over the world. An incredible witness. And we too are called to be a witness... To what Christ has done in our life, and to do that. And sometimes we talk about this term like a witness. We should go and witness, like we should go and tell other people about Jesus. And that is critical, and we should do that. And if an opportunity comes up, be bold and share your faith. Explain what is, you know, why you follow God. You should have an answer. For why you say you're a Christian And when that opportunity arises Be ready for that answer Be ready for that But I want to flip it around for our discussion today Just for a second Instead of talking about us going and witnessing Going and telling about Jesus I want you to think about this question What are your neighbors witnessing about you? What are they seeing when they see you? when they interact with you, what, are they, what would they say about you if they had to expl- describe you? And you know, it's interesting because I've had moments in time and I, I was uh, in interviews this past week and uh, interviewing people for a job at Vista Peak Exploratory and I was a part of an interview team and you know, you get this, this 30 minute impression of someone, and you read kind of what they've done in their life. But there's always this moment, and this is something that is real, even though it's not like it doesn't fully work. There is something that is real when you meet somebody and you're like, I like that person. It's a good person. You know what I mean? There's something there, and we've all done that a time or two where we're like, hey, well, I, oh, my next door neighbor, he's a good guy. I like him. This lawn is moderately mowed, and, you know, I like him. You know, I, lo- I like that. And the question, if we flip that around, I wonder what people are witnessing about us. What is their perception of us? Because it quite possibly may be that their perception of you is, is coloring their perception of what it means to be a Christian. What that means. And that little... You know, kind of like one-word description of what you think about somebody else. Yes, it's not complete. Maybe it's inaccurate in a way or another. But it is telling. It is telling. If somebody says, that's a good guy. Or, you know, I really can trust them. Whatever it may be. There's something there. There's something behind that. And the scripture implores us, and we're going to read it in a moment... To be good to a world that is watching. To be a witness, or when neighbors witness us, they should find something about God. They should learn something about it. Uh, Yesterday we uh, drove through the neighborhood, um, and you know, for some people, picking up all these grocery bags for our food drive, for some people, this was our one perception of them. And you know what? I love doing the food drive because that's one perception we would love to have. Guess what? We care about our neighbors. We care about those who are hungry or struggling. And we're going to do whatever we can to help get, gather some of the like resources for them. And we're willing to do a little legwork to do that. Um, but they they, they might have had a few different perceptions from my from what I heard about the crew that was in Adonia neighborhood. I was not with them. I was in the Traditions Pickup neighborhood, but I heard in the Adonia neighborhood, these are just unconfirmed reports, okay? That there was some black SUV driving slowly through the neighborhood looking at everybody's porch and there was a car seat that was on top of the car for a period of time. And there was even a report of a three-year-old poking their head out through the uh, sunroof and um, also like standing on the top of the car with like a, a stuffed parrot. There's reports of that, but that is unconfirmed, but that may be what um, our uh, perception is in Adonia. It was a wonderfully fun thing. Okay, all right, that's... I just had to get that out. Uh, I just heard there was a little wild in the Adonia crew uh, picking up some bags, but that's that's okay. That That, that is fun. But it's interesting. What... Do people perceive of us? What picture are we sending to them? Um, I want to read in the book of titus chapter three and Before I do, I kind of want to give you a a little bit of a historical uh, understanding of the context of this letter. It's Paul writing a letter, most likely. Most people think it's Paul. Other people think maybe it was someone else, but most likely Paul. And he's writing to Titus, who has been kind of an apprentice of his, who had traveled around with him on a number of occasions and been with him in some of the churches, but then has left and is leading the church in this little island of Crete which is just kind of off of Greece. And uh, at that time, there was, you know, estimates. There was a lot of people that lived there. Today, there's about 600,000 people that live on that island. And there was maybe close to or even more people living on that island at that point in time. And he was the leader of the Christian church on that island. But the island had a bad reputation. Okay? The island was known... um, Kind of in a negative light It says this In verse 12 Of chapter 1 of Titus It says Even one of their own prophets Had said Cretans, Cretans are always liars Evil brutes Lazy gluttons Verse 13 This testimony is true Alright so that's, that's the statement Of these people It kind of was a saying that they're uh, liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. What a wonderful perception that they had and reputation they had in the world, right? What a wonderful... We should put that on our signs, like Church at the Creek. Church at the Creek, liars, evil brutes, and lazy gluttons. Come on in. <laughs> All are welcome. No, but and it says, and this is true. This is the, the culture. And you've heard the phrase. You've, you've maybe heard the phrase in our world. You know, those, those Cretans. Have you heard that before? As an adjective? It's an adjective that is used for kind of somebody who is vulgar, immoral, a liar, kind of like a swindler type of a person. That comes from this and their reputation that preceded even the writing of this. And that is where Titus is at. That's where he is. That's the world he's in. It's a pretty negative place to kind of start a church. And like probably the people he's hanging out with it wasn't so great and so this is the instructions that is given to Titus to instruct the people who are a part of this church in chapter 3 starting in verse 1 it says this remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good To slander no one, to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility towards all men. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We have lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Because, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we may become heirs having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have been trusted in God, who have trusted in God, may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Look at that. I mean, this is kind of like setting me up here. This is an easy one to preach right here because it's just setting me up. He's like, here you go. If you know, you need to stress these things, you need to teach these things. You need to think about these things. You need to think about being very careful on how you devote yourselves to doing what is good. You need to be very careful about that. And you know what is interesting, and it's not totally different from one another, But so I don't want to make a huge distinction, but there is a difference between goodness and morality. There is. There's a little bit of a difference. Of course, they go hand in hand, so, you know, don't go off the deep end with me here, But 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 there is, you can be somebody that tells the truth, and that is morally good. You know, that that is a, I'm using bad, I'm messing up my analogy here, I'm using the wrong term. That is morally correct, to be an honest person. And you can be really, really honest and clear, and you can also be really mean, right? So... Like, you can, in some ways, you're being moral, because you're telling the truth, but you're not being good. And there is a difference. And sometimes, in Christianity, we've, we've uh, elevated morality, and we sometimes have neglected goodness. 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 And that's what, that's what it's talking about here. It is, yes, it's talking about morality, but it's talking about going beyond just morality to goodness. And this is an essential part of our witness to other people, is our goodness. And he gives us a list that he opens up this part. He says, this is what we should remind the people about. Remind the people about these six things. And let's go through them. There's six different things says this be subject to the rulers and authorities is the first one says this is something that we should do be subject to the rulers and authorities and obey so and to be obedient so essentially what he's saying is the people who are making the laws the people who are your boss the people who have any kind of authority over you don't be difficult don't be a jerk Don't be hard to get along with. Don't be like causing all kinds of problems with that and like rebellious for no good reason whatsoever. There are absolutely times where our morality runs um, like against what other people in authority uh, put us against. There's possible situations where your boss could tell you to do something immoral. And then, of course, the morality needs to kick in and you need to not follow that. Okay, But for most of the time, it's just kind of generally getting along. It's generally like having that good witness in those things. I was thinking about it like in regards to my HOA. Because I got a notice about my weeds. Okay, hey, hey HOA, I had knee surgery, okay? I had knee surgery, can you back off a little bit? Have you seen Colorado weeds? Like they sprout up overnight and they grow like a foot and it's ridiculous. And my daughter, this is a true story, I had my daughter out there pulling weeds, it was one of her chores she she was doing, She pulled so many weeds um, that, like, her eyes started swelling up. And the doctor said, we think it's an allergic reaction to her pulling weeds. She can't pull weeds anymore. So I'm like, all right, HOA, get off my back. My daughter's eyes are swollen up. My knee is busted. Yeah, I got some weeds in my life, okay? But I got bigger problems than the weeds in my rocks. Okay. But, you know... We can, we can kind of like have this moral outrage sometimes And we can get difficult And we can be critical And we can get angry when one little thing is not our way And you know what? We can just kind of repel everybody around us It's very possible That we're just kind of like turn into this grumpy thing That like is always critical of everything And nobody wants to be around that And guess what? It's not a very good witness if you're just against everything all the time, not a very good witness. It's not, very, it's not like a very attractive picture of what it means to be a Christian. If you can get along with people and you can obey and follow, do it. You might have to pay a $50 weed fee. We'll see what happens when they come out and check again. Um, that sounded weird because we live in Colorado, a $50 weed fee. There, that could be misconstrued in many different ways. But... Um, <laughs> But try to make peace with people who are in authority over you. Try not to be difficult. Try to be somebody that your boss likes to see walk into their office. That should, that's, that, that's a good like, kind of rule of thumb is do, you, like, do people like to see you or are they dread you showing up? When the teacher at the school like, sees you coming, are they like, oh, good, or oh, boy, oh no, what are they going to criticize me about now? Second thing says this, be ready to do what is good. Be ready. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of the, the picture of we're trying to demonstrate through the Good Neighbor Project, is that we should be ready and on a moment's notice to do good for someone. You know what? It's wonderful that somebody... You know, I can go, and if there's a, there's a story of somebody who lost their job, story of somebody who is really in need, I am ready to go all year long. I'm like, we'll deliver food right now, we'll help you out, and we're ready to go. But you know, in your own life, is there an opportunity, and on the moment's notice, for you to do good? This is a, not a moral right and wrong. This is different. This is in a different category. If you don't help everyone on every occasion, it doesn't mean that you did something morally wrong. But people who have a good heart and are a good witness are ready on a moment's notice to do good. I think this also applies to, you know, we can flip this around to our verbal witness as well. On a moment's notice, when somebody is down, we should be ready to give a word of encouragement to somebody. On a moment's notice. That should be a part of who we are. It should be a part of like, what we're doing. That we, we're, we're ready to rock and roll. What a wonderful thing it would be is if in like your, your monthly budget you left a little bit of a margin in your budget just in case, not just, like, just in case you want to like, go splurge and buy a bunch of fancy stuff, but just in case something came up And you were, like, ready at that moment. You had a little little set aside to do something to help somebody out in that moment in time. Like, be ready. Think about it. How can I, like, be prepared and ready to stop and pause my own life and do good? And let somebody else's, like, whatever else is going on around me interrupt what I'm doing. And be ready. I think... Like, really, the heart of being somebody that has a positive influence on others is somebody that at a moment's notice is ready. Is ready because you don't know when that moment's going to strike. You need to be ready. It says this is the third thing. And it goes into kind of like how we treat one another and how the world sees us treating one another. Do not slander. Don't slander. Do not fall into the temptation of talking bad about others. Don't do it. Don't talk about others behind their back. Don't like, be negative in, in your speech. Don't slander. Let other people do all the office gossip and walk away when it's going on. Like Don't be that person. Don't do that. Think like if you speak negatively about others, you're going to think negatively about them, and people will perceive that and pick up on that. Um, don't slander. Try, try to be a person who speaks life into others instead of death or criticism or judgment towards others. There's absolutely moments in time where people need to see the error of their ways. Here's what I've found. Is people who are like kind of in the middle of a big, of big sins, most of the time they know. Most of the time they know it. They know they're a failure and probably four or five people have already told them that. They know that things are not going the way that maybe they should. They know that they're in over their head. And you know, something in us, I think, especially if our hearts are open in any way, soft in any way, something in us, like, we all know we've, we've made some mistakes. I, I, I think that's the Holy Spirit, and I think that's God that does convict and there is certain situations where we need to maybe do that. But really, for the most part, I think people know that they're like, they have some areas that they need to improve. And our role is, is to step in and give them a place of hope. Say, like, there is, there is something else that can happen. This is, doesn't have to be the story forever. There is forgiveness. There is God will forgive you. God will give you life. There is an abundant life that God has promised us. There is more. Like, hang in there. Like, turn away from it and move on. You can do that. I think that's what people need more than anything else. Be peaceable is the next one. Number four. It says be peaceable. Get along. Get along with your neighbor. Get along with the people you work with. Get along with your family members. Be a person of peace. Over and over in Scripture, it talks about the thing that will, that, that you need to be united as a church. The picture of the church should be a place where everybody does get along. Fortunately, that hasn't always been the case. I am so grateful and thankful that our church, is a pretty peaceful place. You know, I definitely don't, We don't do everything right We know that But like It's been a place for me That I've found That has always been an encouragement And people have always been on my side And I thank you for that And you have to understand How much of a witness that is for the world Because there's a lot of places That are divided, divided, divided And this should be a place Where everybody like Can get the arm around the shoulder And say like You know what? We're going to be for each other We're going to be here we're going to get along. We might have some disagreements, but you know what? We're not going to worry about the petty stuff. We're going to to get along. And that's a picture that we're painting and broadcasting to the world about what God is like. The fifth thing, it says, be considerate. And what I think about when I see that word is considerate is I think, you know, to all of these phrases throughout Scripture that we've been looking at through this series. You know, love your neighbor. Put others above yourself. Kind of those golden rule ideals. That you don't just think about your own interests, you think about the interests of others. Think about it. Think about others. Be thoughtful about what maybe is going through other people's minds. Be thoughtful about those things. And you know, I can give you kind of of even like some very small, subtle examples, but I think it's really powerful if people are considerate and people really take notice. Is... It is really powerful, like, when somebody walks into a church for the very first time, that can be hard, right? It is really powerful when somebody says, I don't know if they've been here before, and I don't know if they know anyone. I should go introduce myself to make them feel welcome. That is just me, like, stepping outside of what, like, I'm here for and saying, what is it somebody else going through in this moment, and how can I help them in that journey? I'm just considerate of others, And going and seeing and being aware and empathetic and, and like, just kind of mindful about maybe other struggles that other people are, are going through. And praying for them and encouraging them in that way. To just, it's, sometimes we get really focused on our own thing. But, like, stepping outside of ourselves and thinking about what maybe somebody else is going through. Be considerate. Number six, it says this. And show true humility towards all men. And in other, wor- uh, other uh, versions, it talks about um, gentleness. And really, I think this is, this is a, the heart of it all, the heart of all goodness, is just having a humble demeanor about us. It should come from the picture that we have that's laid out here in the Scripture and the picture that we know only by the grace of God that I'm saved. So I'm, not, uh, I'm nothing. I'm not like, you know, all that in a bag of chips. But God saved me. What a joy it is to share that with other people. There's a book that came out not too long ago, um, three or four years ago, entitled, Why No One Wants to Be Around Christians Anymore. And it detailed kind of like these different um, statistical analysis and study about how many, many people in our culture, even though lots of people identify as Christians, many people say, I don't want to be around or hanging out with Christians very much. Because these good traits weren't necessarily exhibited in their lives. I think that there will be a moment in time where we have to give an account to God for what kind of witness we were in the world. When people looked at us and were trying to figure out life and destiny and is Christianity maybe the answer and you were the only one they knew. Maybe knew personally. They may may have looked at your life and said, Are they somebody I want to be around? Is that somebody I'd like to be like? Is that what I would like to associate myself with? Or not? It's not necessarily a matter of right and wrong. But it is a matter of God saying, Do good. Be good. Be a good witness. Be a good demonstration of who I am. Can you imagine? The God of the universe that sacrificially gave himself for the world, who loves us unconditionally, who offers us eternal life, somehow, sometimes it's a bad rap (sighs) and people don't want to be around Christians that's a shame God I pray today that our church community as we think about these good neighbor projects we think about how are we being good How are we being good neighbors? How are we being the type of people that others just want to be around because we're positive and encouraging, life-giving? God, forgive us. All of us have had moments where we weren't too pleasant to be around. But God, whether we like it or not, we know that the world is watching. They're looking to see if kind of the way that we've ordered our lives is something that they would like to follow or emulate. Or if it's something they don't want to have anything to do with. I'm going to invite you right now just to offer your own prayers. We're going to go to our time of communion. And this is one of those Sundays where the topic, and we, if we look through that list, all of us can come up with something that we say, God, I'm sorry for that one, because I haven't lived up. And we all can go to God and say, God, give me grace and help me, because I definitely fall short. But we can recommit to say, God, I know that in one way or another, I'm representing you. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a new heart. Help us to love our neighbors. So I invite you in this moment to offer your own prayers, your own confession, your own repentance. And in a moment, as we take communion, believe that God will show up and God will give you grace and God will give you forgiveness and empower you to something more.